Welcome to I'm From the Internet, a podcast about something awful, the goons, and their consequences. This is episode three of Bio Apocalypse. So a goon made a comic book in sixth grade, and they uploaded the entire thing to the forums. It is a ruthlessly and beautifully and incredibly illustrated um, nightmare where some sort of uh, chemical gets leaked in a lab and it eats the entire world and turns all of Earth into a giant, meaty red planet. Uh, basically, everyone on Earth dies, but there are people on the moon that are still alive. There are scientists and crazy religious cultists, but the scientists are also the bad guys, too. They fire a virus beam at the planet, even though the religious people tried to kill them for it. The virus beam infects the planet, and it doesn't really kill as many or as much of the meat planet as they wanted to. So they uh, dropped a whole bunch of nukes on it. That was a whole thing. They fire a laser beam at the planet, and that kills a good chunk of the planet. However, deep inside of the planet is uh, the planet, of course, being Earth, is a fetus that is uh, has now emerged from the Earth, and now there are wormoids that are being shot, uh, that are shooting out things that are so terrifying that you can't even show them in the comic book because they're so fucking terrifying, and they're being shot with lasers by the Space Navy. <laughs> That's more or less everything you need to know. Yeah. So we've yeah, so we've talked about the terrestrial blood flares. We've talked about the uh the, the filthy gas. And now we're going to be talking about what happens after the giant fetus and the wormoids have been birthed from the earth. Perfect. There we go. So that's where we were. So next page we are we're on page 50 of 94, skipping ahead here. So page 60. The wormoids started screaming and shooting spikes out of their mouths. The spikes destroyed many ships. The wormoids were more dangerous than scientists thought. I mean, yeah, it's shooting spikes out of the mouths. It's very much like the 1349 song, I Breathe Spears. So, uh, yeah, it looks like it's, uh, you know, you're fighting space age uh, enemies with uh, stone age weapons. That's a fucking dope album right there. And also, I say the spikes being shot specifically made me realize a lot of the violence. Concern, we were talking earlier in the first episode about the time that this took place in. A lot of this, this feels like this reminds me of Samurai Jack because I feel like the spikes being shot out of miles was uh-huh. a thing that like the bug robots would do. And a lot of the violence has that level of like extreme damage, except it's actually with blood and stuff instead of with robots and oil. So it's horrifying. Right, yeah. exactly. Samurai Jack was fucking. Tight. Yeah, it was great, and then they made that revival, and it was pretty good aside from like a couple bits at the end. I wasn't super into, but even then, it was still awesome. And I haven't watched this new Caveman show, but it's supposed to be really good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Dukes took care of those bastards. The Navy then flew to the giant fetus. They were armed with many different nuclear weapons. One ship had a gun called the Thunderchild 3000. It was a rapid-fire <laughs> nuclear missile launcher, and it fired 50 nuclear missiles per second. The missiles were 20 kilotons each. I love when, like, when people just clearly want to talk about like numbers and chunks and details and stuff. Like when you get into like certain like crunchy hard sci-fi and it's just all like figures and math and numbers because there's a certain portion of the population and i'm reasoning that it's mostly dudes that are just like describe guns to me 
and then describe guns being shot at things and then close the book. That's all I want to read. Yeah. It's like, it's like the one time you try and read a Tom Clancy or Halo novel. It's like, wow, there sure is a lot of descriptions of guns being discharged in this, huh? Yeah. I mean, although I have, I have fucking Warhammer novels on my, my shelf right there. That is a good portion of, I like the, I like learning about like the structure and like the history of, of like bureaucracies and, and theologies and stuff like that. And like, the way that people use language and things. Um, and then, you know, it's like the chainsword ripped him from skull to spine. And it's like, all right, that's perfectly fine yeah. too. But yes, on this page, we do have the wormoids being nuked and they again, do not look too happy about that. And then we just have a picture of the gun and the gun has like fenders. on it. <laughs> it has like fenders on it. And also like the, the belt that feeds the nukes into the machine gun is, uh, is covered in spikes. It's just, there's not, not, uh, not anything to criticize here. All of this is checking out. Yeah. No, so here's yeah, guns are one of those things like cars and bicycles where it's incredibly common, but also it's really hard to draw. But it, even though it seems like something that'd be very simple. So the gun being weird. And also I want to put the name, the thunder child 3000 was, uh, in war of the world. The thunder child was the name of the, uh, the uh the ironclad ship that that fought and beat the uh the tripods in that so that feels so sixth grade as well like you're reading war of the worlds for the first time and being like oh the thunder child that's so cool and then putting it in your thing but what if it was what if it was more extreme what if it fired nukes and it fired 50 of them per second and they were 20 kilotons each okay thunder child 3000 is the ancestor of Power Man 5000. That is the That's like the 80s glam band that Power Man 5000 evolves out exactly. of. Exactly. Yes. Like they're like they're like open for autograph or something. <laughs> the ships made their way to the giant fetus. Oh, wow. They could see it in the distance. When they were in range, they fired the nukes. Yeah, the perspective on this is so good. Yeah, that's so cool. Just like you're it's like you are a camera affixed to the bottom of a ship, so you can see at the very top of the frame here the uh, like the under the the greebled underbelly of the ship with the fenders coming out, and then there's other ships to the far sides, and then all swooping around at like the different angles, all uh, within the what do you call it the perspective of the the sheet here is is just very interesting how he took all of these things into consideration and he thought about drawing things from different angles like he's drawing them from below and above all of that's very interesting and you can see like the red blob of the child on the far end and then again you see another version of that same illustration but this is where they're all firing their nukes uh at the thing which is just like a angry baby getting larger and larger and larger uh, as they as they fly towards it, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to bet right now the nukes don't do anything. Yeah, and also like the, all the lines of action are converging on the center of the page where the fetus is, including in the second one, all the missiles just all being launched on, and also on both of them, the horizon is in the same spot, like it's on the same blue line on the paper. So when yeah. you go from one page to the next, the horizon is the same. It's just one. The, the the fetus is just like a little red speck, and the next one it's like a full figure close. So it's almost like it's like it's like a, like we talked about Captain Underpants, like one of those flipimations. Like you could flip the page, and then one page is far away. The next, oh, it's close. If it was like that, just yeah, and it, it's it's like I don't know. There's there's a certain degree of thoughtfulness that's been put into this that is very funny. 
I don't know. I'm just a fan of it. Yeah, like, I would have been so into this. Like, I wish I was friends with this guy when I was in sixth grade. This would Imagine getting to yeah, read this sure. or see your friend make this. This would be so cool. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that rips. The fetus could feel them coming. <laughs> it caused the fetus a lot of pain, and it made it stumble, but they didn't kill it. So the fetus is now, like, you can see all the rockets being fired at it, and you can see the stars in the negative space between the rocket and the fetus is covered in veins. Fetus also has... A dick and balls this time but it is all in silhouette so you just see like this little dome of the balls and the tiny little tip of the dick coming out of the fetus yeah they had, ge- they had um, gendered it previously but this is the first time we see it's genitals it has like a like cranch and chan dick where it's just like a, like a, a curve with a little bump in the middle it's very funny you know what I ask any lady that's all they want they don't want these huge monster dicks they just want a curve and a bump you know what I mean <laughs> Uh, and then the next panel here, we have the fetus uh, kind of throwing it back a little bit, throwing an arm back, looking out like it's crying out in pain. And it looks like it's just covered in oranges and tangerines, but I guess those are the nuclear explosions. But it, you know, that's what a explosion would look like when it's not on the surface of a planet, I guess. And its feet are just like these little tube socks tubes. And uh, I don't know. It just... Yeah. It, he looks like he, he looks it, like he's, he looks like he's octodadding across the planet. Yeah, you can hear the silent scream of this beast. Yeah, and also one of the fun effects on this is because this is on notebook paper and it was scanned on a flatbed scanner. On ones with a lot of color, you can see the next page's illustration bleeding through, and you can see on the next yeah. page it's also doing a similar pose. So it's almost like this, yes. this very neat little like 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 Doctor Manhattan in in uh, in Watchmen, just that weird parallel imagery. Very good. Right, right, right. The scientists wondered why the nukes didn't destroy the fetus. They panicked as the fetus ran towards them. The fetus was too big to see the ships, so it decided to squirt blood everywhere. It screamed. Most of the ships were destroyed by waves of the fetus blood. That's so great, because, yeah, it is just, like, again, it's a different perspective of the same angle where, like, it got nuked, and so it's like one of its legs is going back, and now it's covered in like nuke holes as opposed to bullet holes. They look like pepperoni slices. Yeah, just like yeah. like covered in pepperoni slices, um, and it's like crying blood and just kind of being doinked back. Most of the ships were destroyed by waves of fetus blood. Is depicted as just like just exactly what it sounds like, just waves of blood wiping people out, and they're running around with their shirts with the atom on it. This is very, like, South Park in, like, the future with everybody being atheist, and it's, like, all the different atheist organizations, and one of them is, like, talking otters or something like that. Yeah, or, like, that one where, like, where, like the woman turns into a giant blob monster. It does that. Also, speaking of blob monsters, I how, what do you want to bet this kid saw Akira at some point? Like, this feels like he saw Akira on the Sci-Fi Channel in the late 90s, and that informed so much of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fortunately, the ship with the Thunder Child 3000 survived. It opened fire. Each nuclear missile shot from the Thunderchild 3000 traveled 50 million miles per hour. So that's that's faster than the speed of light, I believe. Uh, <laughs> um, well, maybe. I don't know. Who cares? But I do like all the colors going on on this rocket here. It's got every color of the rainbow, and it's shooting lightning out of it, all of which are necessary to fire a nuke. 
Um, and it, yeah, it's just shot right directly. You're seeing it fire directly into the meat of the fetus. Nothing, yeah. nothing to hate here. And also for the page for the panel where it says the Thunder Child 3000 survived, the ship is covered in like dripping little rivulets of blood. Like it survived the splash and it's just like angry with it dripping off of it. It's very good. Right, right, like it right. could almost be a comedy beat if it was like live action. The fetus swiped at the ship, but it was designed to be extremely fast. So the fetus missed. The ship opened <laughs> fire on the fetus's back. It was designed to be extremely fast. <laughs> <laughs> I like when they're when we're designing like the fucking the the blackbird or whatever. It's like so. Uh, how how should we design this attack ship? Oh, well, we gotta design it to be extremely fast. Like I don't. Step one, fast. Step two, bombs. What's what's not to understand? Here? I want that to be said like very intensely by like one of the Battlestar Galactica people from the remake, where they're like, "Did they get us?" He's like, "No, the ship was designed to be very fast." <laughs> Right, exactly that. And also, when they say the fetus mixed, the the scale with the fetus, they've been keeping up very impressively. Like, the whole thing about having to spray blood because they were so small, literally couldn't see them. Like, swatting flies with a mosquito. Like, swatting flies with a shotgun, that's very good. And when it's swatting, there's like a zoom in, so you can see how small it is compared to just the spaces that this thing is occupied. The thousands of nuclear warheads being fired this time in a single location cut through miles of the fetus's flesh until they burst through the other side. Okay, so we've got a penetration shot, and it's just like tons of different nukes going on inside of the flesh of the thing. Again, we have like an interesting cross-section. Yeah, just burrowing through like it's a level in worms or something. The fetus screamed in pain and drooled blood and turned around to swipe at the ship. The ship opened fire on the fetus's finger until it fell off. Right before it was about to hit the ship. That's so, it's, it, <laughs> uh, I mean, this is like the, I feel like this is a Promethean Wojak. Because <laughs> does this not look like the same kind of shape as, um, like the Chad, Virgin versus Chad illustration? He looks, like the, he looks a lot like the like, little guy from Smiling Friends. Yeah, very much so. And I just love, you know, just that it's swiping its enormous hand and like he took the care to draw all five fingers because he's not a fucking hack but he is still covered in nuke holes and bleeding from a toothless mouth like i like that he has the the care to like draw a toothless mouth because it is a fetus and it doesn't have teeth yeah but it's still everything else is completely ridiculous and the dripping blood forms almost kind of like a pair of slanted back eyebrows over its eyes or it's like yeah come on what do you want from me it just looks very like defensive and also just like the finger being blown off right before it hits is so such a good action shot. Absolutely. The ship flew around to the back of the fetus's head, intending to make the killing blow by boring a nuclear generator tunnel straight to the fetus's brain. The ship opened fire right at the biggest intersection of blood veins. This would be a huge mistake. Oh, God. Is it going to turn into a blood ocean? Oh, boy. Let's see. The nuclear explosions penetrated the fetus's prime <laughs> blood vessel, sending a tidal spurt of the fetus's blood directly at the ship. The stream of blood forced the stream of incoming nukes to detonate and hit the ship itself, causing the ship to detonate in a supermassive nuclear explosion. The massive explosion sent blood everywhere. The giant fetus looked like it was bathed in an aura of divine blood and holy cosmic lights. Three exclamation marks. Jesus Christ. So good. I mean, like, 
like what's funny is that it would be hard enough to write something this ridiculous for like a page or two. Yeah. But they've done it for 76 pages. <laughs> just like just constant over the top drivel the whole way through. Every step of this, every page is getting more and more ridiculous. Yeah, this this is like anime you know? levels of maximalism. It's like so over the top. Like this is very much like a like a Gurren Logan or something, where everything just keeps getting bigger and bigger as it goes along. Which maybe that's another reason why I like this. Yes, absolutely. The fetus was now unchallenged and able to get revenge on the moon without being disturbed by nukes. So the fetus walked over to Mount Everest and picked it up. The fetus threw Naturally, <laughs> it's the biggest one, yes. It's the biggest mountain. Also, another funny exa- early example of, of goons just fucking hating Mount Everest. Completely unintentional. That's a <laughs> funny coincidence, yeah. The fetus threw Mount Everest at the moon. Even if Luna's nuclear defense system had survived the initial mountain impact, there was no way they could have stopped something as big as Mount Everest. Human life on the moon was surely doomed. Oh, is it the dude with the cane? Did we come back to the dude with the cane? <laughs> oh, man. I just say, the, the, the page where it says the fetus walked over to Mount Everest and picked it up kind of looks like Goatsy. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just with a bleeding finger. Yeah, it's just coincidental. Just like, the there's no ring or anything. So there's nothing that gives away. But it just looks like Goatsy the way that's. I had it felt like the need to point out. Or was it? <laughs> dude every panel of this could have an or was it moment yeah you know or was it or or just then like yeah remember those religious oh. nuts who had their oxygen machines cut off some of them were still alive surviving on what oxygen remained the relative lack of oxygen made them delusional and out of touch but it also brought them closer to god than they had than ever before and even though they were dying they continued to pray for salvation so the first panel, we have a bloody mountain being thrown at the moon, and there's already been a moon, like a, a, a crater from the previous mountain. And I like that you can see on the paper that there are, like, wet spots. <laughs> um, and you can also see on the moon, uh, like, all the interconnected cities. And in the next panel here, we have people that are praying to what is now, like, a spiky cross covered in meat and blood and, like, the... the um, the crescents. Oh, so okay. So those are crescents of uh, like you know, you know, Islam and all that. Um, and it does have "repent" written in blood, and another person has been crucified right next to it. So the, the religious people are coming back for a strong phase two in this. And God delivered. Fuck yes. yes. The whole next page. Deus ex machina. Yeah, the whole next page just God delivered, and then the illustration of just the planet perspective with a huge explosion over it, but it's like framed very small. Right, that's awesome. God sent forth the angel of death, a winged being 40 miles tall. The angel of death would solve things once and for all. The angel of death's sword sent forth a blast of holy energy at Mount Everest, shattering it into billions of pieces. These pieces would eventually form a ring around the earth. Such a good detail. If If this was only... 39,000 pages longer, this would be like a Henry Darger level accomplishment. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Darger, <laughs> because, because yeah, this is very Darger. Dar- this Darian. is very Henry Darger, yeah. Oh, that rules. The angel of death flew to the earth and finished off the fetus once and for all. The angel of death landed in front of the fetus and caused an earthquake. We finally get to see what the angel of death looks like. It's very good. Yeah, which is just like a guy in a robe with wings and he has a sword and there's like you know, he's got, like, the, the tassels flapping out from the sides of him. But you're seeing the angel of death 
and you're also seeing the top of the fetus's head looking at him and like uh just the perspective shifts in here are very like funny. a wild west showdown or something this is very much a wild and west also the showdown. sword it's holding is... is the sword from the cover of the book so oh fuck it is yeah yeah he must have planned all this out ahead of time that's great i i think that he he must have had like notes and then he made this his final thing yeah oh that's so funny the fetus tried to attack but the angel of death cut the fetus in half Killing it. This act would later be known as the Immaculate Abortion. That rips, yes. dude. Oh yeah, my god. Immaculate Abortion, I think that edges out terrestrial blood flare, is my favorite phrase in this book. The Immaculate Abortion. Like he's like, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. He like, yeah, that's so fucking awesome. There's like, you know, the, you can see parts of the Angel of Death from behind the fetus, and you just see the, the sword slicing it in half. <laughs> Oh, this is so fucking funny, dude. Yeah. As the dead fetus fell apart in at least hundreds of cubic miles of blood, but the bloodshed was exponentially enhanced by the angel of death, so the blood gushed over the entire planet and filled the empty ocean. That's so fucking great. Just so much gore. Spilling everywhere. The angel of death plunged its sword into the barren, poisoned, and bloodied earth. The sword was plunged into where Mount Everest used to be, making it the new highest point on Earth. Like like Mount Everest. Okay, so he just stabbed Nepal. <laughs> A miracle emerged from the point of impact. It spread further outward. Okay, a miracle. Cool. So we have, like, we're looking down at the Earth from, like, the top of the sword, and, like, there are tendrils of something being spread out from it. As something green and blue as opposed to red and orange. And even further, a surviving scientist watched in awe. In one week, divine intervention did what would have taken scientists decades. Oh my god. Okay, so it, like, it cures the whole planet, all of the meat goes away, and now it's just back to like green and blue, and go to the next and page. And also <laughs> we see the ring of debris that used to be Mount Everest. Yeah, the ring it. of debris yeah. around the planet. Okay. On the ever-changing sword emerged two commandments. One, thou shalt not put science above religion. Two, thou shalt not put religion above science. My God, the fact that th- this dude did all of this to have like a moderate point of view <laughs> is hysterical. The angel like, of he death did all of this. Centrism. Yeah, it delivered us fucking moderate centrism this whole fucking way. I am very smart. Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude. The the effects that South Park has had on the psyches of this goddamn planet is just insane. Believing in anything is stupid. Yeah. That's that's the whole thing that we've had to deal with is South Park telling us that like having a passionate opinion makes you a bad person. Yeah, this is very this, Harry Potter. This is like, well, we got rid of the bad actor. Everything's cool. We don't need to change anything. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's so fucking funny. Oh. As humans began repopulating Earth, a new religion was born, and the sword became the holiest sight on the planet. 
The sword itself and the recorded events that preceded it offered definitive proof that a higher being existed. Only the staunchest, most devout atheists refused to believe that divine intervention had taken place. They desperately tried to concoct scientific explanations to explain what had happened, but they were eventually shunned. Shunned. And the, yes, we're looking at like a new dawn of like the, you can see the shining sword in the far background over the rolling mountains of uh, where, where Mount Everest used to be. Yeah, also, it doesn't need to be repeated, but yeah, like, this is such a, like, a sixth grade Catholic school's understanding of atheism to think where it's, that's what atheists are known for, is, 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 uh, not, is not believing in evidence. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it, it, atheists just hate God. That's it's just the another whole... religion, man. You ever think about it that way? Right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why don't they make the whole airplane out, out of the black box? Exactly. <laughs> With this new religion that emphasized restraint and reconciled God with science, mankind eventually conquered the galaxy. Okay, cool. Well, all right. Mission accomplished, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have like a, a new, instead of a cross, this is, oh God. So it's like the the uh, rings of an atom, a cross, the, the crescent, and I don't see any representation of Judaism in this, which I think is kind of funny that like out of all the, the, like, the far future stuff that they've had, they have not represented like it's like all the religions are together like Christianity and Islam and that's all of them. <laughs> yeah, and I love how like in the previous page we get the shot of like the curvature of the Earth with the sword coming out of it, and the next page we see the symbol, and it looks like the symbol is like the framing of the curvature of the Earth with the sword, like we just saw. And then the the, the circles from the atoms used to be the scientist symbol. So it's like they synthesized the right. two things together into one. This is just very solid, competent storytelling for a sixth grader, like. I'm going to talk about a little bit at the end, but like the stories I made when I was that age were never this cool. I mean, what are we actually looking at at this panel here? Because I see the symbol, but like, what is it on? It looks like, I see, it's I'm, like the I front imagine. of a spaceship, I imagine, because you see the windows above and you see a bunch of human figures in it. So it's like a giant spaceship flying towards the camera and behind it is like I see the flare of like it's it's uh, it's fuel. And in the bottom corner, you can see another one, too. Like we're seeing them flying away from Earth, framed in the corner with the blood moon and everything, going off to new planets. Yeah, interesting. Okay. The end. Oh, <laughs> I was about to say, there's got to be something great for this ending here, but the end is all we need. And it's just like, uh, not necessarily centered, but it is, um, it is all like the planets and the stars and, you know, black and white, a little bit of color here and there. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. I, I, I just, I hope that, I hope that the goons like this as much as I did. <laughs> yeah. Or are they going to be humorless fucks? In some ways, but luckily, you know, luckily they loved it as much as we did. So that's one of the reasons I was surprised. Like it's so relatively not well known, and also like not in the gold mine or anything. Because yeah, this this rules, and also like I intentionally didn't reread this going into this because so I this is my first time reading it start to finish since like I first found out about it because I wanted to keep it fresh and like yeah, this is really fun and good still like. This is great. Yeah, you ready to talk about the goon to see the goon reactions now? Yep. So right up front, I'm just gonna say the reactions were were across the board. Everyone fucking loves this. So 
Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. dude. From what I've read so far, you use pretty advanced words for a sixth grader. I know I sure as hell wasn't saying incorporated and fused when I was in sixth grade. Okay, now it's getting fucked up. What happened to you to make you write this? That was from Terrorist Bob. And then Fa Q, who I believe we featured last time, says, This is the most amazing thing I've ever read. You're going to publish it, right? It'll be bigger than The Outsiders. <laughs> it was such just a weird poll to reference The Outsiders. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is immediately people are like, you need to sell this. And, and like people like want to buy like a physical version of it, right? Uh, yeah, this this person someone points out Akira, which was you know my thing. I kind of remember and they call it Baby's First Space Opera, which is very it's very cute. Like, yeah, they can explain like I'm five version of like the Warhammer mythos or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This poster here, we don't have to read their whole thing, but they say you know, they say if Christopher Paulini can get published for this shit, so can you, my good man. Which is very funny because that's a name I haven't thought about in about twenty years. Do you? Never heard of that. Christopher Polini was like, I, I graduated high school in 2006. Like my last year or two is when his books were coming out. He wrote Aragon, which is the word dragon. Oh, yeah. with the, the letter E, which is right above the D on the keyboard. And it's about that level of creativity where it's the plot is basically just Star Wars, except it's in a fantasy setting with dragons right down to like the evil emperor being his father and everything. But the, the big thing about it was that it was written by a teenager and it was supposed to be this thing about, wow, this teenager is such a gifted writer that he, he got published even though he's still in high school. And it turns out he's actually homeschooled and his parents are like public, professional publishing people. And the whole, and basically the entire reason why it was so successful is because since he was homeschooled, they could like publish it professionally and spend all their time just traveling, promoting it and using their connections and stuff. So it was kind of like a, yeah, ne- of kind of like a Nepo baby situation. And thankfully nobody remembers or cares about it. There was like a very forgettable movie with Jeremy Irons in it which was at least it was jeremy irons so you know you got that but naturally anyways that's my type five on christopher Pellini. that was just very funny to think about that and also people pointing out that the thunder child 3000 was a reference to the thunder child from a war of the worlds so but now we start getting to of course people have to kind of ruin the fun of course you're getting people who they don't think it's real they're like this isn't real and like I said at the beginning, like my my stance this, it doesn't matter if it's real or not because it's it's still a cool creative piece. And if the person did it intentionally, just as a way of adding like a little extra layer of, of artifice to it, that's cool to me. But like I said, I, I genuinely think it was made by a sixth grader. And also, like it's this is regardless, this is just shitting on something people are enjoying. Like, who cares? This is cool. Yeah, and there's not a single thing about this that made it seem like it wasn't real. You know, like it, it just it all of this was completely feasible. You know, it just seemed like a uh, something a weird kid made. Yeah, we got one person where their their joke is like, "Why do I get the feeling that this is similar to how Scientology got started?" Which that's very two thousand eight or in the year of Project Channelology. Like, this is probably about three weeks before I would go to the protest in Clearwater. So, right peak anti Scientology. And then, so here, this post by Gibmeiser. This is when people are first starting to get seriously into um trying to get it, they start people bringing up the concept of remaking it. They, they're like, this is cool, like you said at the beginning, but what if we redrew this? Yeah, I bet we could do some wicked shit with this. Pepperoniti says, I imagine this is how Yellow Submarine would have turned out if the Beatles were completely insane. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's such a funny comparison. Like, nothing about this is like the Yellow Submarine, aside from the fact that it's illustrated. Like, that's very much like, what were they smoking when they made this type of thing? Poster Tiger Mojo, I want to call him out because I recognize that name. She's very interesting, and it pops up in some, some goon sagas over time. And she's she's pretty cool and well-written. She points out about how the, the use of apostrophes was very well done and how that's suspicious. But for me, that makes it, because I feel like your grammar is much more accurate when you're in like middle and high school than as an adult, because they actually grade and enforce that shit. 
Whereas, right. Yeah. yeah. I, I am legendary for not knowing where the fucking apostrophe goes. So Poster Hellbastard posts up and has a post here. If you uh, want to read his post, and I'll tell you a little bit about Hellbastard. I don't have time to read it all right now, but between most scientists believe that no god would allow hundreds of trillions of innocent souls to suffer in perpetual agony. Therefore, they concluded that god did not exist. A handful of scientists did believe in God, but they thought he was a real son of a bitch. And, and I'm assuming there's supposed to be an image in bed that was broken. Okay, and blank. Uh, that Yes, it should be a film. I agree. Yeah, and I want to point out Hellbastard, because I think I might do a doc about him in the future, because he was a very interesting GBS figure, where he was also a comic artist and writer. And his thing is, he was kind of like an epic, badass Australian guy with, like, sideburns and a mullet, who would, like post these comics about his his insert which was like a flying giant skull with green eyes which is his avatar there and he kind of had like a rise to gbs superstardom like i said he'll probably get a whole episode because he i think he's fascinating even if i don't like his work very much it's just kind of a fun story about about gbs kind of like devouring their own oh yeah of course all they always do all groups like this will always fucking devour their own yeah, this just this one line here with Chuck Square. They're like, it ended with a message that wouldn't be out of place on South Park. Like, the time when people were invoking South Park is a positive comparison. We're like, wow, this is almost as deep as South Park. And also, 2008, that's pretty late for that. Like, that was after, like, I stopped watching South Park in 2006. So, like... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't even remember, man. Uh, yeah. But I just, like... I it, It's hard to tell if they are praising it with the South Park comparison here. But I do think that it is very funny that uh, they're just so gung-ho about this. And yes, South Park was just like the... I've heard the things said about South Park that are being said about Rick and Morty right now, which is just like, oh no, I'm watching cartoons, but I'm actually a very mature adult. And I'm actually actually smarter because I watch these cartoons. It's like, just enjoy the things that you enjoy. You don't need to like explain to me that these are actually like protein infused potato chips. Like they're just, just have some chips. You're fine. You don't need to like have a logical defense for everything that you do. You yeah. Know? It's like, I bet this person thinks the Colbert report is more, is more informative than real news. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah exactly that. <laughs> yeah. And my note here on the doc was, God, remember how before we had Rick and Morty, we had South Park? Like, yeah. Exactly like, that. Basically, Rick and Morty just completely eclipsed the South Park. I found it was very interesting how it used to be how bongs were all, uh, like, before Rick and Morty, glassware shops were full of South Park stuff. That's like, that yeah. totally makes sense. It's very funny seeing those. Um, one thing that someone referenced that so we, since we were talking about influences or music and stuff was someone mentions a novel called Blood Music, which I've never read. That, and I, but looking at the Wikipedia summary, it does sound pretty similar to this. So I might read that later because Blood, you know, shout out to Blood Music. That sounds like a pretty interesting uh, book. It's, yeah, like, it's like about a guy that experiments on himself and winds up turning into like a self-aware colony of lymphocytes that like takes over America. It seems pretty cool. And so, anyway, so Big Fat Slur shows up again, and people are talking about wanting to organize uh, a, you know, a remake of the pages, and he's interested in it, and he talks about how if someone wants to redraw it, he would split profits for it. And, um, you know, so basically now they're turning it into a goon project. It's not just a nice thing for us to appreciate. Now it's something where we can improve on it and make it better and monetize it, which, you know, it always works out good. Yeah, yeah. Just... Sometimes you just got to let let things be what they are. 
you know, just appreciate a beautiful thing. And a poster sent of Rodney, he goes, someone should ask Casey Green about drawing for this. His style would fit pretty perfectly, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Casey Green could do anything he wants. Yeah, yeah. this is this is like peak, peak Casey Green times, I think. So like, this is, like I think, his peak popularity for his comics. So, yeah, I love Casey Green a whole bunch. So Yeah. Hey, who knows? If, if eventually this makes it to Bob Means, dude, yeah, if you want to draw a terrestrial blood fair or something... Please share it with us because that's that'd be amazing. I have I have a, a Casey Green book on my shelf over there, and he actually drew me a little. Uh, he put a little drawing for me in it when I ordered it. So, Ooh, what are you drawing? Yeah, uh, like a little black metal raccoon. Because I, I used to be really into raccoons. Oh, that's very good. No, I love raccoons a lot. No, I, when I went in um, MegaCon 2009 in Orlando, I got to buy like a copy of Anime Club from him, and he drew a little caricature of me inside of it, and I lost it in a move before I got to digitize it, and I will always regret that, because that was so cool that I had like Casey Green art I could have been using. So, um, and we'll, and with Big Fat Slur, people start asking more about him. They're like, well, what are you doing now? Like, are you an artist or something? Well, I'm still an undergraduate student, but right now I'm working in a menial job that entails a lot of physical labor, and it's very tedious. I like it because it pays well, and I'm essentially getting paid to work out, and it keeps me occupied, and I can think and talk to myself internally for hours without compromising my position. I'm not going to be too specific for obvious reasons. I also do freelance writing, academic assistance, and I won't go into specifics. So yeah, I will say up front that I wasn't able to find out, like, I did find that eventually they did get a copy of Biopocalypse that you can buy now from, like, I think a self-publisher or something. So oh, it yeah. is out there if you want a physical copy of Biopocalypse that, from what I understand, is legit. But, like, also, like, I can't find anything else about this person that's made from them. And that's kind of one of the things, like, because, yeah, this is really creative and interesting. It does kind of feel like, you know, the, I know that's how some people are. Sometimes, like, I used, like I mentioned at the beginning, I used to draw a lot when I was a teenager, and I don't really do it anymore. And how it's just sometimes people fall out of interest or love with an art style but or form. But that's still kind of just, you know, it's kind of a little melancholic note to it, I guess. The fact that there's this really cool creative thing and then it was just kind of, unfortunately, they never got to make more stuff like this that I'm aware of. Somebody said, God, I hope you have 100 meads sitting around waiting to be photocopied. And he said, not 100, but in this mess I live in, there are probably a dozen or so graphic novels I wrote from second to 12th grade that are pretty much in the same vein as this one. Most are not mead, just stacks of drawing paper. One is not a graphic novel per se, just some random potpourri of ultra-violent, ultra-gory battles that are even worse than the ones depicted in this novel. A visual glorification of violence backed up with occasional prose. I'm really busy and it takes hours to scan these things and upload them. And then there's the whole trying to find them in the first place, so I won't be blowing my loads all at once. But do expect to see more of this thing coming in the weeks and months. And unfortunately, they didn't. We, I didn't yeah. find any other follow-ups or uploads, and... I don't know if it's just because they lost interest or it turns out they weren't as compelling. That's the thing is, is like this thread only lasted about 10 pages and most of it's immediate efforts. I went just kind of like, well, this is cool. And then there's some talk about wanting to re-release it or redo it. And then just, it just kind of just dies. And it's, it's disappointing because yeah, like I feel like this deserves to be more well-known. Like there's so much like weird, funny, like, like uh, fiction from this time, like Half-Life, Full-Life Consequences, or My Immortal, or whatever, like, Bio-Apocalypse right. belongs in that, but not because it's bad, because it's good, because it's so good, even if it is, like, very, obviously, the work of some. It's puerile, but it's good. Like Right, you know. exactly. Um, uh, There's a post here where someone says it's awesome in the way that Adventure Time is awesome, which I thought was funny, because it's 2008. This is before Adventure Time was a show. This was just when it was, like, a weird pilot that had been floating around online for a couple years. Mm-hmm. So just another like time and place for this where, yeah, this does feel like a predecessor to that and where the, there is an appetite for this. So there's just a very interesting thing that that comparison to draw up to that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
one one thing I did I did like was people was when people started calling out that the calling bullshit on it. The response people were giving them, you're breaking the first commandment here, buddy. Like from the two commandments from the thing. So oh yeah, <laughs> and then finally, this is the one of the only images that survived. But we did get some attempts at redrawing it that are that I got to post in here. So oh, that rules! It is just like a, you know, it is a, like a 2008 kind of like I don't know how you describe it, but it's it's like the procreate kind of like faux painting style, like very art of, station, or style, art station yeah. style of like a, the demon fetus. With the, like the big bug eyes and the the mouthful of, well, I guess in this case they are they have little like proto teeth in it, no nose and stuff like that. So yeah, it is like a little wretched demon evil thing. It, it looks like it could be in a like HD graphics pack for Binding of Isaac. Yeah, yeah, or like a Doom Three enemy. It's very shiny. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, and then so so just yeah, so big fat slur talks a little bit more about do it more verbose calls out of it being bullshit. Someone talks about uh, having uh, the last post in the thread was made. So all of this was made around April 10th. And then just things kind of fizzle out. And then the last post is on May 15th of 2008. So a month and a half later, it's just someone talks about having a nightmare involving the thing of this. And that's it. Like it just kind of just stopped in a way that was. I know, I know a lot of our stuff kind of just fizzle out like this. This one was especially surprising because, yeah, it's like, I guess this was like pre-social like 2008 was like twitter was technically existed but hadn't really blown up so it was like what do you really do with something like this it's just you read it and enjoy it and move on it never got to have like i it, I, was, I never got like a, I'm, it might have gotten reposted to reddit at some point but never really got to have that second life that things do where they keep circulating it feels that feels like someone dropped the ball like this kind of just fell through the cracks there yeah there there was a time on the internet where it felt like you could just like make something and put it out there and it would be like I, you know, you, I mean, I'm not saying I was there for like the dawn of the internet, but like when there was a a, a limited number of recipes on the internet, right. And you would come up and you would put up a new recipe and people will read it and they would have a new recipe, you know, or like everything that you put on the internet was like a new thing there and people could read it and engage with it. And now it's just like you're, you're casting these tiniest little droplets into this vast infinite ocean. It's like when you see a TikTok that's funny and you try to go to share it, but then it just reloads the page and you never, ever, ever, ever see it again. Cause it's not about searching and archiving or like going to a place. It's just like constantly different material. Like imagine if there weren't movies or TV shows or songs but just like a, a stream of different varying tones and shapes and and pieces of story and maybe some music here and there, but no distinct songs like that's kind of what it feels like now where it's just it's all been lost because I have some of these old film reels that I've been meaning to like digitize for a million years because I thought it would be so cool to like I probably am the only person who still has these that would put them on the internet. Right. And you know, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these super cool retro pictures of, uh, like, uh, teaching kids about Christianity and native Americans and like the history of France and all this stuff that, you know, I got them from an old abandoned school. And I, now I just think about like, that would be a thing that I could post once and people would take a look at it. And then they would go back to the, infinite stream of 10 billion different ideas that are just kind of lost to time. 
And it's just kind of it's just kind of a bummer that it's just kind of it's gone. I'm still I still appreciate that places like that exist. Though. Like you saying that reminded me there was one I used to follow, and unfortunately he kind of just stopped because he got copyright striked on YouTube, and it just frustrated him because it was like I think what did him was most of his stuff was just like weird obscure stuff, but once it was like a '70s film strip of Goodnight Moon. And because it's like a copyrighted children's book that's still like sold, they they gave him a copyright strike and he just kind of lost it. So, yeah. I, but I appreciate stuff like that existing because you still find interesting information from it. And like, yeah, if you ever put those online, I'd love to see them. That sounds very interesting. Um, I guess so for closing notes, um, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad that you seem to enjoy that as much as I did. Oh yeah, no, I'm all about it. Just the the fact that somebody made something big and saw it all the way through will always tickle me. You know, so many artists just kind of get lost and and vanish in the intimidation that it, that a, a large project presents. Take it from me, a guy who's hand drawing an entire card game. You know, it can be very intimidating, but you have to see it all the way through. Yeah, and, and I guess to kind yeah. of have like a slightly more upbeat uh, tone to go off of our earlier conversation, we'll, we'll say one thing that's nice about stuff like this is that once you make a work like this and it's complete and it's out there, it's, it's out there. So even if like you don't maybe at first get a lot of acknowledgement for it, over time, new people will find it and spread it around. And that's one of the nice things about completing things is that you don't maybe that get, maybe you don't get that immediate gratification when you first upload it, but over time it will find audience a new audience and new community like a lot of my stuff on youtube from like a couple years ago would randomly blow up and then just get tens of thousands of views and then you know just get new stuff and so that's one of the things with that that the most you know as somebody who only recently got started creating those early years are very discouraging when you don't have very much content and you don't seem to be Mm -hmm. getting very much but remember it's it's like it, it just builds up over time and it gets bigger and more inertia so once you've, the important thing is doing it because then as time goes on, it just builds up and you have more and more. And then before you know it, you have so much stuff. You have to have like a whole link tree page just to explain to st- everyone what you do. Yeah. I'm at the, the part of my career where like when I have to like, yeah, look at my link tree page or like the, the base level of my website is just like, uh, how do I explain what it is that I do? You know, I'm like a writer, comedian, illustrator. I made a tarot deck. Um, I make all of the bumper stickers and that like, then I also make the card game that doesn't even touch on the paintings like that. I make stuff constantly and you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Like Dave Ross has a part of his website just called everything, which is just like all the major things that he's ever made from like his early career to now. And I, I kind of admire that and I want to have something like that for me, but you know, I'm still, a lot of my stuff has been, um, just like, yeah, I'm, my portfolio, you know, but I want to have more published things that you can watch and experience and, you know, see and all that. Yeah. That's why I know for me, like one of the most like discouraging things I'm finding a new artist or show I like is when like their archives are behind a paywall. It's just like, yeah. Cause that's just like, well, I don't, uh, yeah, it's like, no, I want to, I want to know what your thing is. I want to, you know, know who you are. And as a creator, that very much feels like, you know, putting your, your light under a bushel to me. I don't like to do that. 
that's been my my philosophy for a while now is just like i just want my stuff out into the world and like i yeah i have bills to pay for sure but if somebody is wants to see my tarot deck and they can't afford it i'll just like message me and i'll send you a link to the to like to the not to the printable files but i'll send you a link to the book and that book has all the pictures and you can see it that way um and if you are trying to look through like um if you want to play my card game and you have at like you have a printer at your job i'll send you when it's ready you know i'll send you a link to the files you can make your own version you know none of my shit's behind paywall if you want to see my stuff like just go see it it's there I want I want people to know about it. Yeah, I guess like my corollary to that is like if you want to see like my furry artwork that's like weird enough for me to not post on my main accounts or whatever, or is like that you can totally message me and I'll talk about them with you if you want. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just kind of want to get your get your work out there. Yeah, because because no? people are pretty cool about that. I've had like people recently ask me about that. We're like, I'm not into this stuff. I just want to see what it looks like. And I'm like, okay, and then have like a fun conversation and. No, that's a cool thing about like being an adult with like a good, cool, chill audience is that it's just like. People like learning about each other, and it's fun. I like, I'm glad they get to be participate in both sides of that. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, thank you for staying with, with us through this entire fucking saga of blood and guts and fetuses and nuclear missiles and all that. Um, as always, you can find uh, the IFTI pod on Twitter, and we also have the Uncle Picture Twitter and uh, I'm on Twitter at just at Winslow Dumain. And of course, Dave Brandsetter has his uh, Twitter as well. If you want to see anything more about the card game, I'm on Instagram at calculations. And uh, of course, you can, um, if you're in Chicago and you like to play, I'd love to play with you. Um, that would be fun. And uh, the offer is still open. If anybody wants to uh, see one random weird thing from my apartment, uh, just hop on uh, Twitter and shoot me personally a message. Don't, don't uh, send it to the podcast page because I'm not going to see it there. But yeah, just shoot me a message and I'll I'll do what I can to send you something weird, okay? Yeah, and same here. Like we both have access to the Twitter account and the email, but like yeah, I'm, like, I'm totally I'm always open to just like direct them messages if you want to ask me specifically something. It's totally cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will uh, hope to hear from you soon, and we'll be back uh, next week with more work. Yep, until next week, watch out for terrestrial blood flares. From the Internet is created by Jay Brandstetter and Winslow Domain. Edited by Steve Brown. Music by Steve Isbroke. 